Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers. Not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the Complete Manager Makeover. Today, we're going to cover a little bit more about employee onboarding. Employee onboarding is an extensive process. It includes all of the documents and paperwork that needs to be completed. And what I want to make sure that you realize when you have an employee start, we've talked about the pre-employment processes, the job description and posting it on job boards and vetting resumes and having some interviews. And we will talk a little bit more about specifics on interviewing in another session, but taking into consideration, now we have that candidate. We talked about onboarding the last time a little bit, you know, what is it that they need to get acclimated to the organization? And a lot of this comes in the form of new hire paperwork. Now we shared in a previous session that onboarding and orientation really are two different things. Paperwork and documentation really is part of that orientation process, ensuring that we have all of the documents for record keeping purposes. And I use and always recommend that my employers use what is considered an employee file audit checklist. And this ensures that we have all the documentation necessary to comply with the Department of Labor and their laws in terms of what do we need to have for an employee on file for payroll purposes for the IRS. What do we need to have in the employee file for record keeping and all the other federal, state and local laws and ordinances that an employer is required to comply with when looking at record keeping. Usually these are custom, but we do have the file audit checklist as a standalone kind of stock document that has been used for many years by me in the field of human resources. And it's a great starting point for employers to use in that it allows you to kind of fine tune it and kind of make it your own. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and go through a couple of the things that we have. And then the next session we talk about is going to talk a little bit about record keeping and retention. How long do I have to keep the various documents in the workplace or in the records or in the the file folders and things of that nature. But for the purpose of today, it's going to be looking at just those documents that we take that belong in the personnel file. And some individuals may think, oh, I only need one personnel file and everything goes in there. Quite to the contrary, that is not the case. We want to make sure that documents are sorted in confidential as well as personnel, and we're going to go through some of those highlights with this file audit checklist. Now, first, if you take a look 
at the column right here, the left-hand side, the personnel file. The personnel file has things such as a signed application, the resume. If you do drug testing and pre-employment background checks, you can keep that in there. And I am a big advocate of using for small organizations of about, you know, 50 employees or less, a simple file folder such as this that has two sections. The two sections can be used. You can have the personal information on this side and the payroll documents on the other. And we'll talk about the things that go outside of this process and of these file folders. So then you have, maybe you have a new hire employment agreement or a PAF, a payroll action form. We always recommend that whenever you're making changes to the payroll, a name, an address, a W-4 compliance change uh, for exemption status, a pay rate change, maybe going from full-time to part-time, that you make a note of that change using a payroll action form or a payroll change form of some sort and ensure that the employee signs off on that. Certainly with the digital ways that we can communicate, those can be done in the payroll systems digitally and electronically, but that we have some kind of validation and verification from the employee that the change was made and they acknowledge that change regardless of the change. Unless it's an administrative thing that you're doing, maybe you miscoded some and you're making some corrections, but you definitely want to make sure to get the signature of the employee so that they're aware of what the record keeping relating to their particular record of employment is and how it's changed. So continuing in that section, you've got your W-4. Now the emergency contact is something that's quite important as well. And it may sound like, well, what do I need an emergency contact for? Believe it or not, OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration requires employers to have this information on file because OSHA is the regulatory agency that ensures employers are keeping employees safe from harm, injury, and illness in the workplace. And in the event there is an injury or an illness, what are you going to do? Who are you going to call? You want to be able to have that contact information on file in case of an emergency. Maybe you're calling for reference checks, the background information. Now, I wouldn't necessarily keep the actual background check report in the employee file. If you can maintain that digitally with whoever you get your background check documents from, that's a great place to keep it. And the reason that's done is that, you know, in the event you have a large organization and your supervisors or managers have access to the files, you don't want them opening that up and seeing that confidential information, that information that doesn't need to be disclosed for the purpose of maybe performance evaluation or checking how many sick days they've taken or anything like that. You want to make sure that that's outside of the personnel file. And then maybe you use an offer letter or an employment agreement. Maybe you have something that issues them company equipment, you know, cell phones, laptops, you know, anything to set up maybe a remote workplace, authorization for driving company vehicles, things of that nature. So any equipment that you have distributed should have some kind of an equipment acknowledgement form saying, you know, they're supposed to keep it safe and that it gets returned when they leave, things of that nature. And then, of course, any of your PAF forms that payroll action or payroll change form. 
like I mentioned, drive reliability. Are they on insurance? Are you running a DMV, right? Motor vehicle check for their driving record if they are driving company vehicles or their personal vehicles for company business. Very, very important. If you have a parking lot or an area that they park, is there an authorization? Do you provide a sticker or a placard to make sure that they have the vehicle authorized to park in your lot and things of that nature, realizing that that also should include no liability. If there's any damage to the property while in your parking areas that you have no liability there if something should happen. Handbook receipt, making sure that if they have the handbook receipt, it's signed off on that they actually receive the handbook, whether it's a link to it digitally or a hard copy, either way is fine, but you want a receipt that they have in fact received the handbook and that acknowledgement should include that they are required to read that handbook, okay? Oftentimes, you know, our employees just don't do that. And there's some important information that can be found in there. Maybe you have harassment-free workplace policies and tip reporting policies, direct deposit, workplace violence. This is where, you know, section two can come into play, including your policy information, as well as your uh, payroll information for payroll reporting. Maybe they handle cash in the workplace, a cash handling policy, copies of any disciplinary records, evaluations and coaching and counseling. I recommend a separate section because then your employees, your managers and supervisors who need that information to create and counsel ongoingly, look at the training records, things of that nature. It's in a separate section. And like I mentioned, this two part file folder, you could simply put a third file folder in there or just use Use a tab at the bottom to separate the two sections inside one folder. It doesn't need to be complicated. The larger your organization gets, the more file folders you want to use so that you can keep larger files organized and grab information quickly when need be. Now, what things should not go in the personnel file? What are some of the things that should go in confidential or medical files? So the first thing is a medical file should be kept separate and apart from the personnel file. And when I say separate and apart, I just mean it doesn't have to go inside here. It can simply go right next to this same employee file folder with the name medical on it and the employee's name, not too complicated. And these are things that can be sick time notes, doctor's notes. Maybe they've applied for family medical leave. Any of those kinds of documents need to go in there because again, if we have a supervisor or a manager needing to access the employee file for the purpose of doing an evaluation, a corrective action or a write-up form. I hate that word, but it's a corrective action form. What are some of the things that we don't want them to see? We don't need to have anybody seeing that they broke their leg last year or they applied for family medical leave because of a heart condition or that they've taken five or six, seven sick days. Those should be separate and apart in a medical only file. And then maybe you want to go ahead and like I mentioned, take the authorization for the drug test, the indication that it's negative or positive and 
Hopefully they're not positive and being employed, but you never know. There could be reasons that a drug test would come up positive, but not for a drug that's not permitted in the workplace, right? Maybe they're on medication and things of that nature. So you definitely want to include that in a separate file folder as well, the background record. And you could certainly put those things together with the medical. Some employers decide, oh, I'm just going to keep those in a binder. Some don't even print those at all because many of those records are digital anyway. You already saw that they've passed the drug screen. They've passed the background check. No need to print it. It's kept somewhere, you know, utilizing your background check provider. And again, HBL Resources does provide background screening. We have several packages as well as the drug testing uh, processes as well. And then for larger employers, maybe you have an EEO data sheet. What does that mean? It's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission's data that says they are male or female. What is their race? Because once you have an employer that's over 100 employees or you're a federal contractor and you've got smaller employees there, a smaller number of employees, you're required to keep that information for annual record keeping. But if you're not an employer with that threshold, you don't have to worry about that. It is a voluntary form nonetheless. So maybe you also want to have your insurance enrollment forms. I always kept those things separate in a binder for auditing purposes. There was really no indication as to, you know, putting that in the employee file or not, because oftentimes those records have the dates of birth of an employee's dependents and things of that nature. It's a lot of confidential information. I always separated it out and put it in an alphabetical record or binder rather, so that as I had my medical bill, I could audit it alphabetically all the time to ensure that they were actually enrolled in the right benefits programs, things of that nature. So I would recommend keeping that in the confidential medical or in a binder away from the employee personnel file. Then maybe you have investigation documents. Has there been an incident of workplace violence? Has there been a allegation of sexual harassment? While it's important that we keep the outcome, the document that writes them up for a violation of the rule or exonerates them in light of it, those can be included in your employee personnel file. However, any documents that were used as part of the investigation, maybe we have witness statements, maybe we have the investigator's notes who helped to make the determination. All of those documents need to be kept separate and apart. They should not go in the employee file. However, the final result, again, maybe they, we issue a disciplinary form for an infraction of the violence policy. They swore at someone, you know, something like that. But the investigative contents, the documents that had to do with the investigation, not in the employee file. Uh, keep those in a separate file folder. And then the outcome of the investigation does go in the employee file to kind of wrap things up and provide a record that you did as an employer do something with those kinds of allegations. So maybe there's legal documents relating to unemployment benefits. And you kind of might be thinking, well, if they're unemployment benefits, why would they be a record in an active file? 
That's because in the state of Florida and many states, employees do have access to unemployment benefits even when they're employed. If they lose their employment status from full-time to part-time and their wages go below a certain threshold, they may be eligible for unemployment benefits. Often it's called partial unemployment benefits. So that would be the reason why and that would be in a separate file folder. There's nothing against putting that in the personnel file. Again, we always recommend some more sensitive documents. You know, managers don't need to know if they apply for unemployment or not, that kind of thing. Keep that information out of that record. Maybe there's salary verification. Someone has requested a loan or a mortgage lender and the verifications of employment are coming from government agencies such as food stamp application or temporary assistance programs. Don't need that in the employee file. Again, put that in the confidential file folder and keep that separate. Again, like I mentioned, physician notes, doctor's visits, any of those kinds of things, definitely in the confidential medical file. Maybe we have a voluntary veterans disclosure. The reason we would have that is because the federal government allows employers to take a deduction, if you will. It is a work opportunity tax credit, allows employers to take tax credits to reduce their tax liability for hiring veterans, individuals who are on federal government assistance programs, people who have not been employed for you know months and months of time. So those program documents would go in your confidential because again, does a manager, does a supervisor, does anyone else who has access to the file folder for legitimate reasons, need to know about these types of verifications of employment happening. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to do with the job, the responsibilities and the duties. Best to just go ahead and keep that out. And then, of course, we have some very specific file folders. Now, everything on that confidential medical, they can all go in the same folder, right? If they're medical, they go on one side. If they're anything else, they can go on the other. So you just have two of these same file folders that I mentioned before. These are areas that we're coming up on next that are completely separate from both of those two file folders. And the first one would be the I-9 binder. That I-9 is a record of an employee's identity. It is their identifications. It is oftentimes, as we recommend, a copy of that documentation. It may show their eligibility to work in the United States. Maybe they're a permanent resident. Maybe they're a temporary resident. Maybe they're an alien authorized to work in the United States. And boy, do I hate that word alien. But that is what the government is still calling that. So maybe those are the categories. We want to keep all I-9s in a separate binder. We want to keep them alphabetically so that they match how we're keeping our employee files. We always want to make sure that there is an I-9 form for every single active employee that we have and that they're kept separate and apart. The reason being, if the employer is ever audited, maybe the government starts to knock on the doors and wants to start to see the I-9 forms. And we have in the last few years seen an uptick in that audit process happening from the United Citizenship Immigration Service. I know I forgot a letter on that one, but USCIS is what they're called, making those audits a lot more frequently. So we want to keep that separate so that if we are ever audited as an employer, all we have to do is hand over that binder. That is what they're there to audit. That is all they get, not access to the employee file 
that due to some record keeping errors might trigger further inquiries. We don't want that. So keep that I-9 form separate. And then of course the insurance enrollment forms, I mentioned that before, keep that in a separate binder so that you can audit your benefit bills and things of that nature. And then of course, a completely separate file is the worker's compensation file. In the event there is a workplace injury, someone is injured, if there is a medical, if there's first aid, if it becomes a worker's compensation claim, then you definitely want to make sure that there's some, you know, completely separate file folders for that. And if I'm not mistaken, the retention is what we'll talk about. All of these have different retention rules and regulations. We'll talk about retention in an upcoming session so that, you know, based on the records that we've now reviewed, what needs to be kept, uh, what can be discarded and when. So look for that in our upcoming session. But for now, Hopefully that employee file audit checklist gives you a good bird's eye view. This document will be posted in the Complete Manager Makeover exclusive community so that you have access to that. You can download that and then use it for your purposes and make it custom to you and what documents you might require that are already on there or some that you want to add based on your industry and your processes and procedures. So I hope that's been of help. And uh, I will say goodbye for now. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to the Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at the Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with the Complete Manager Makeover.